mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, The Power of God's Presence. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Exodus, chapter 33, verses 13 through 15. Here now... Pastor Moody. Book of the Old Testament, second book of the Pentateuch, of the law, of Moses. Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 33. Amen. Hallelujah. How many is glad for the realness of the Spirit tonight? Let's read a little bit of scripture here tonight, just a few verses in Exodus 33. Chapter 33, and I'm going to start reading in verse 13. Moses is talking to God here, uh, facing the greatest responsibility and task that he would ever know that would catapult him uh, to the place of the greatest prominence he would ever know. And he's talking to God, and he says, Now, therefore, I pray thee, in Exodus 33 and 13, he said, if I, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, or thy ways is what it means, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people or your people. And he said, God said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. If thy presence go not with me, in other words, don't take us from this place. Let us stay here. He was about ready to move forward, leading God's people to the promise. And he said, But God, we've got to have your presence. And I want to preach tonight just for a few minutes on a simple thought of the power of of God's presence, the power of God's presence. Let's pray. Father, thank you for everything that you've done for us. And uh, we love you tonight. We honor you. We realize that you are God and there's none like you. Uh, We realize tonight that you have touched us and the testimonies have been great of your salvation. And Lord, we realize that in that first introduction to you, There's a realization of the awesomeness of who you are. And then, God, we come to the place that we realize that we need more than a revelation of who you are, but we need a realization that you're with us. And we ask you for your presence tonight, as Moses said, to go with us. And if we can't have your presence, we can't move. But if we can be led by your Spirit, God, we can overcome everything that will be in our way. Let your will be done tonight. And God will give you praise in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. I said that Moses found himself about ready to embark upon a journey that would elevate him, continue to catapult him to the greatest prominence that he would ever see. Moses would become 
what is till, still to this day the greatest prophet considered by Israel to be the greatest prophet, the greatest leader, the greatest deliverer they would ever see. Israel today is still looking for a deliverer that God would raise up like unto Moses. Moses said, the Lord will raise up a prophet like unto me, and to him shall the gathering of the people be, and to him will you listen. Of course, we know that they missed it because that was Jesus. But in the eyes of Israel, Moses was the man that gave them the law, the law that all of their religion hinges upon, the commandments, five books, first five books of the Bible are called the Pentateuch or the five books of Moses. And Moses knew that it was God's presence that not only would assure them, but it would do something else. It would set them apart from all the other nations. God began to deal with me about this, and I'd really love for you to pay close attention to what I'm saying tonight. It was the presence of God that would set them apart from all other nations. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses had been 40 years hid in the backside of a desert, keeping the sheep of his father-in-law Jethro. He was content to stay there. He was safe. He had killed an Egyptian. He had lived 40 years in the palaces of Egypt. He was probably second or third in command in all of the nation. He was a man that was revered and honored among all the Egyptians and the Jews until this thing had happened. And God called him from a burning bush. And when Moses saw that in Exodus 3, he said he saw the bush that was burned, but it wasn't consumed. And he said, I'll draw nigh and see this sight. Why is this bush burning? Why doesn't this fire consume the bush? And when he drew near, of course, God said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. What a revelation that was. And then God spoke to him, told him who he was. He said, in fact, he said, I am the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of your fathers. What a wonderful revelation and experience that must have been for a man who's been meandering in the maze of mediocrity for 40 years, a man whose life is going nowhere, a man who's a criminal, he's a wanted man, he's guilty of murder. And now God is speaking to him. Think with me if you would for a moment. Isn't that sort of what happened to each of us? <clears throat> we were sinners. Sinners by nature. Sinners by choice. We were people guilty of sin. We deserved punishment and death. But then somewhere back down the road, however long ago it was recently for our young sister here tonight, for me, almost 35 years ago, and for some of you much longer than that that are in this building tonight, we were wandering in sin and then suddenly we caught a glimpse of a fire. Hallelujah. We caught a glimpse of something that we knew was holy. We knew it was God. We didn't grasp it maybe totally, but we knew it was God. It was a bush that burned. It wasn't consumed. God began to make himself known. 
And I started thinking about this earlier and, and some time ago and was actually doing this study. And I thought about Moses. All of a sudden, he realizes that the God that he's forgotten about, the God that saved him out of the, out of the Nile and the Ark of Bulrushes as a baby that, that, that chose him to be a special child, that told his parents that he was special. When all the other boy babies were being killed, God spared him and he grew up in, in the palace of Egypt in the home of Pharaoh's daughter. And, and Moses, uh, no doubt his mother became his nursemaid. And no doubt they had told him who he was. They told him where he came from. But in the midst of that lifestyle, I want to preach to somebody tonight. In the midst of a lifestyle of prominence and success, it's easy to forget God. How many will say amen? In a lifestyle of, of having everything at least that you want or you feel like you need, it's easy to forget God. But then suddenly there's a crisis that arises in his life. He sees one of his Hebrew brothers being mistreated and he tries to intervene and in the heat of the moment, he slays an Egyptian. God uses this thing to drive him away from where he's become comfortable. I want to tell you something tonight. There are people that I know that I love dearly who have lived through life feeling like they detained what they need. They feel like tonight that they really don't need anything. They know something about God. They had some heritage when they were children. They heard mama talk about God. They heard grandmother or aunts and uncles that, that walked in this good way and knew the Lord. They heard them reference God. They seen maybe the shout. The, Trina, they saw, they witnessed the Holy Ghost. I remember Mamma Payne with her handkerchief. Woo, doing that. And, and I know there was people in that Payne family that had drifted away from God. Some of them are in the ministry, have been for decades. But there were others that had forgot about Mamma's God, if I can say it that way. But then all of a sudden, something happens. There's a crisis that strikes their life. Maybe it's the death of a loved one or it's a sickness or it's a bankruptcy or it's a loss of, of their, their means of living or their means of sustaining themselves. Or all of a sudden perhaps they, they find themselves too deep into alcohol or too deep into drugs to get free. And it's all right every now and then to mention God in an abstract way. But then suddenly you get a glimpse of the fire. Suddenly you get a glimpse of the real power and you have to draw just a little bit closer. Can I tell you something about this way that I'm living in tonight? I've found out that when it gets your attention when the fire of God shows up and it begins to reveal to you that there's more of God than what you're experiencing. It begins oh can somebody help me tonight and you start to draw close to try to maybe get a glimpse or, or maybe get a little more understanding there's something about this way God has a way of speaking. He'll speak clearly to you. I'll tell you how he'll do it. He'll speak by somebody like me preaching to you or some family member showing you that God's been good to them and that he's made a way. Hallelujah. I thought about Faye and Gail and Trina up here singing tonight and, and I know Faye won't care for me saying this, but she's been through 
a, a battle of physical uh, ailments and problems that's been ongoing for years and, and the, they, they've been through some hardships and, and through some hard times and, but I've watched them as they've trusted God that, and every day by day God's been providing for them and he's been making a way and you watch that and, and you want to understand it but you better beware because the closer you get trying to look at God that's when God will begin to talk to you because he loves you too much to leave you where you are and he's got a plan for your life and he had a plan for Moses to redeem his people and can I tell you something tonight I'm about to shout God has a plan for you to be a witness and a soul winner to redeem your people hallelujah give him praise if you would so Moses he's seen the fire He's experienced hearing the voice of God. But can I say something tonight? And I want you to understand I mean no harm to Scripture or to your experience. But can I say this? It's not enough. Say it with me. It's not enough. It's not enough to see the fire, it's not enough to hear the voice. Hallelujah, it's not even enough to have the command from God. It's not enough, amen, once you've walked in this ways and obeyed God. Look at somebody and say, it's not enough. Hallelujah, what are you saying, preacher? I'm telling you that the God that I experienced yesterday is not what I had with God yesterday. What I did for God yesterday is not enough for today. Oh, hallelujah. I want you to hear what I'm saying tonight. I want to tell you Moses was at a place where he had had brought at least three million Israelites and some strangers that had came with them out of Egypt, out of 400 years or 600 years of slavery. He had brought them out. They had spoiled Egypt. They were carrying the the gold of Egypt in their coffers. They had walked through the Red Sea and they got to Sinai and God had took the man of God upon on the mountain and he stayed up there and gave him the commandments and when he come down he said I hear the Joshua said I hear the sound of war in the camp and Moses said it's not war but revelry and Aaron had listened to the people and they made a golden calf and they were having a, a sexual orgy and a drunken party and they were worshiping an idol and Moses took the commandments of God written with a finger of God and he threw them down. Are you hearing me? And God judged that people and Moses is standing there now and God's beginning to speak to him and he gives him just a little bit later here the table's rewritten with the law but Moses is realizing something. I've seen the fire. I've heard the voice. We've even parted the Red Sea. We've destroyed Egypt. We broke the bondage of slavery but if we're going to make it with God we've got to have his presence it's the presence of the Lord that'll make us a great nation hallelujah give him praise if you would I began to think about this and I thought the same thing is true today can you say amen others trust in their abilities they trust in their riches they trust in their financial security how many know rich people that are going to hell and that's sad. 
uh, we got broke into here Saturday night in the fellowship hall. Y'all know about that. And they, they ripped us off a little bit, took a TV <laughs> and then some PA equipment. And uh, so we're, by, by this weekend, we're going to have a security system in that building as well. And we're changing the way we're doing things around here, becoming a little more security conscious. And while the security guy was out here, he was telling me right down the road from here, not far, one of the wealthiest men in the county lives, got a multi-million dollar complex there. And he said he's been broken into four times this month. And he said, I'm doing a security system there as well. And I began to think about that, and I thought, well, hallelujah, they're robbing the rich and the poor. <laughs> Can you say amen? And then what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying you can't trust in riches. Are you hearing me? You can't trust in, in, in financial security. I don't know why I'm preaching like this tonight. I've come to tell somebody. You might say, well, I, I, seen, I know about God. I talk to people all the time. I talked to a, a man in California this week that's got a wife that's been on dialysis for five years and, and a complete renal failure, doing dialysis five times a week on a list for a, heart tra- or for a kidney transplant. Then she had two heart attacks and, and he was telling me, you know, and they, they were Catholic folks, and he said, the parish priest has come over, and he's, he's prayed some prayers in the house for healing, and he said, but we need help, preacher, and I said, well, here's what we're going to do, we're going to pray for her, and I said, I'm going to pray with you now, over the phone, but I said, we're going to pray in the church, and we're going to anoint a prayer cloth, I said, you may not understand it, but I, and I gave him the scripture about Paul sending out prayer cloths, and, and aprons, and special miracles being worked, and he said, at this point, we're willing to try anything. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm telling you there comes a time when religion will fail you. Are you hearing me? There's a time when your church membership's not enough. I'm not talking about just the Catholic. I'm talking about you might be a member of the house of prayer, but you'll find a place when you need more than the membership on your name on the book. Can you say amen? Oh, you're going to have to have the presence of God if you make it in this in this, in this way. In the, through this life, you're going to have to have the presence of God. And the Moses realized this. And, and he starts to say things like this to God and he understands that we trust in the living and true and present God we serve. Can I tell you something about this God? I, the reason why he's so real to me they sung that song the realness of the spirit. That wasn't just a, uh, them wanting to get together and sing that was God because uh, I didn't tell them what I was preaching. I want to tell you something. The realness of the spirit is what makes this God we serve a present God, a present help in trouble. Hallelujah. I don't have to go looking for him. He's here. He's with me. He's living in my heart. If you believe that tonight, give him praise. Glory. Let me go on. Verse 14. God says, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. And the word there, one commentary said it means peace, but in the original rendering, it really means a comfortable, peaceful confidence. Moses was saying, or God was saying to Moses and to Israel, no matter what battles, no matter what trials you face, you'll always be safe. You can be comfortable. You can be confident 
and, and confident and peaceful in my presence. Can I tell you, there's just something about the presence of the Lord that gives you a peaceful assurance. I like what Nick was singing tonight. I got to the river and the bridge was washed out and the devil said you'll never make it. It's too long. But somebody ought to be able to shout, I've got the presence of the Lord and with God all things are possible. Hey, I need the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. How am I preaching all right? There's power. Say that with me. There's power in the presence of the Lord. In the presence. He said in Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power. The, the word there uh, is a word in, in the Greek that's exousia, which means to exude with, 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 with confident power. In one place it means dunamis or explosive power. But the word there, Acts 1, 8, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost, this exousia. You shall receive this, this exuberant confidence to go out and be a witness. Hallelujah. I'm standing here and tell you tonight, this God is enough for me. This God is too much for me. This God is more than enough. Doesn't matter what I face. I, I've got battle scars. I had. I didn't just show up, you know, and, and, and ride in on an ice cream truck or a lollipop wagon. I've been down the road of hardship and battle. I've been through some struggles. I've fought devils, hallelujah, to get where I am. And I want to tell you, I couldn't do it on my own. But in the presence of the Lord, I feel like David. I can run through a troop. I can jump over a wall. Hallelujah. I wouldn't trade his presence for everything in this world. Has to offer glory. I really get wore out with little puny Christians running around trying to decide how much of the world they can hang on to and still make it. Let me tell you my formula. My formula for success. Get rid of, give up, lay aside do without everything that you can get rid of and lay aside and do without to get more of the presence of God. Hallelujah. Woo, thank you, Jesus. There's just something about the presence of the Lord. I, I begin to think about the presence of God. You know, God was with Abraham and the heathen saw it. God went with Abraham. God called him out of Ur of Chaldees. God told him to go to a land that he was showing. God took him to the, to the, to the valley where, where he fought against the kings and rescued Lot. God uh, led Melchizedek to him and, and, and God took him into, uh, down in, into the land where Abimelech was king and, and he saw him and it said in Genesis 21 and 22 it said that Abimelech and Pekal the chief captain of his host said to Abraham, uh, God is with you in Genesis 21 of verse 22 and uh, he, he confessed and he said man we see that God is with you and then God told Joshua in Joshua 1 and verse 5 he said if you got my presence I want you to know you'll always be victorious no enemy will stand in your presence everything you do will be blessed your way will be made prosperous can I tell you I found the, thank God it's not a, a money tree or it's not a, a fountain of life but I found the presence of God and in the presence of God there's fullness of joy and God meets every need hallelujah every need some people never get 
ahead. Because they're too busy trying to fix everything themselves. And they're too busy worrying about their condition. Don't misunderstand me. Fail, you know, failing to plan is planning to fail. And uh, I heard Charles Capps the other night. I was coming back from Corbin. He was on the radio last night. And then some of y'all, if you don't know who Charles Capps is, he's a great faith preacher and teacher. I think one of the good ones. And Charles Capps was preaching and, and uh, he was talking about how that you have to be led of God and, and then you have to act upon what God has said and then how you monitor your actions by the, res- by, by the result of what God is doing. It was, it was deep water that he was treading in and he said, he said it's like people you know that they're trying to worry about how they're going to pay their bills and he said here's what I'm going to tell you to do. You ain't got no money. He said write the check. He said, write the check and put it in the dresser drawer and expect God to put the money in the bank. And he said, then when God does, and he will, he said, mail the check. But he said, I know some of them that just write the check and mail it and go to jail. (laughs) Because in the meantime, they ain't trying to find a job. Then they're not seeking God. They just move it out on some frivolous act that somebody told them was faith. Can you say amen? And I was listening to that and I kind of chuckled a little bit. And I thought, uh, I like that. I said, I'll just get my bills, write the checks, and stick them in the dresser drawer. Glory to God. <laughs> but the key was believe in God. Are you with me? And, and I've found that, that when we let God bless our lives and move in our lives, all of a sudden people begin to notice it. And, and God said to Joshua 1 and 5, he, Joshua 1 and 5, he said, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of your life. And as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. How many knows if God is with you, it's impossible for him to fail you. It's impossible. God told Gideon, he said uh, in Judges, uh, Moses knew this, he, 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 uh, God, God speaks to Gideon and, 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 and he says to him, uh, the Lord is with you, you're a mighty man of valor. Gideon basically said, wait a minute, I'm a coward. I'm from the smallest tribe, the smallest family, I'm a nobody. And God said, but you're a, you're a mighty man of valor in Judges 6 and 12. And in verse 13, Ben Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then has this befallen us? And where be all the miracles which our fathers told us of? Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? Uh, but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Watch this. Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. How did he know he was going to do it? Because God said, I'm with you, hallelujah. When you and I begin to realize this God is with us, do you believe it tonight? God told Isaiah and Israel of the special promises to those that he loves. In Isaiah 43, in verse number one, he said, but now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by name, thou art mine. When you go through the water, somebody shout hallelujah. I'll be with you. 
And through the rivers they'll not overflow thee. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon you. I believe Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego must have read that somewhere. Are you hearing me? The flame will not kindle upon you. You see, it's only in God's presence, watch this, that we can understand his glory. Moses saw his glory in the burning bush to a degree. He said, I'm gonna go, this, man, this is awesome. That, you know, if that's it there, that, that thing's burning, but it, but it don't burn up. There's a fire all over it, but it's not consumed. And when he got near God, he said, take your shoes off. You're about to have a spiritual experience here. And, and how many know people that have had a spiritual experience and saw the fire, but never stayed around long enough to get into the presence? Are you with me? Do you understand what I'm saying? I know a lot of people that, that have seen the shout. Some of them even felt the fire and shouted a little bit. But then they walked away. And you cannot sustain faith without presence. Are you with me? And I know, I know the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but the entire purpose of the word of God is to bring you from sin into the presence of God. Do you understand? So Moses is, he's standing here and God is talking to him. And Moses is saying, Lord, this bunch has already messed up major. They've, they've made a calf and I got mad and broke the commandments. Anybody with me? The earth opened up and swallowed up Dothan and Abiram and that bunch. Several thousand of them. God, it's been a bad day already. And then Moses, he starts thinking. He said, I want to know God. Verse 13, he said, now therefore I pray thee, if I've found grace in your sight, show me, uh, uh, show, me not, show me now thy way or your ways that I may know thee. If I've found grace in thy sight, consider that this nation is thy people. You know what's wrong with most churchgoers in America? They want to go to church, hear pretty songs, hear a nice little sermon from a little preacher that doesn't upset anybody. Make them feel good about their self. Dust their Bible off once a week. Come into church. Hello, hallelujah. Hello, hallelujah. Hello, hallelujah. Are you with me? And that's good enough for some people. But Moses said, if you don't go, I don't want to go. It's not enough that I've seen a bush. It's not enough that I've parted the Red Sea. It's not enough that I know your name. It's not enough that, I've, that, I've, that you've given me your commandments. God, if I'm gonna do this job, these are your people. I've got to have your presence. Let me tell you something. You can have church. You can have religion. You, you, you can do all the things church people do. You can come, you know, we, that's why we, the, we've got standing room only on Sunday morning and look around tonight. I thank God for you that are here. I think you're here because you desire his presence. And I'm not critical of that, them that just shows up on Sunday morning. Oh, yes, I am. I, show, I am so. I might as well just be honest. They got a little Brill Creamer religion. 
Some of y'all don't remember Brill Cream, but I do. Their commercial used to say, Brill Cream, a little dabble, do ya? Brill Cream, you'll look so debonair. Brill Cream, a little dabble, do ya? And then the last part said, she loves to run her fingers through your hair. <laughs> that was a long time before you were born. That was in the days of black and white TV. But every time I think of that, Eddie, I think about some Christians that, that just want a little dab of God. Oh, didn't he preach good this morning? Let's hurry back next Sunday morning for page two. <laughs> Moses said no. I've come to this place. I'm looking back. I remember 40 years in the wilderness. I remember a burning bush. I, I remember God saying, when I said, who shall I say sent me? He said, I am that I am. I remember him saying, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That bush burnt, what a wonderful sight. I went on the mountain and saw so much glory. When I come down, they had to put a veil over my face. And then when I got off the mountain, they broke the, they had violated the, the first commandment, thou shalt have no gods before me. And they'd made a graven image and they were worshiping the thing and they were fornicating, committing adultery. They were, they were drunken and Line and, and, and they, they broke most all the commandments and Moses is coming down off the law with them fresh written with the finger of God and he throws them down and, he, and God's killed a bunch of them. Are you seeing the magnitude of this? And then he says if you don't go with me if your presence don't go I don't want any part of this. Can I tell you something? This is 2012 and it's it's some 5,000 years later from that Sinai experience, I guess, or close to it. And can I tell you something? The church without the presence of God, or can, can I say a religion? I'll just haul off and say a Christianity without, a, without the presence of God is a bum deal. It's like a new car with no gas. Are you with me? And, and so Moses is, he's saying in verse 14, in verse 13, he wants to know God. God responds in verse 14 by promising him in his presence and this rest, this confident, uh, encouraging presence. And Moses says, but I, I want more than presence. And he says, I want to see your glory. I want to know you, God. Can I tell you, I'm on a quest tonight. Not to be confused with the church in Lexington. I'm on a quest. And my quest is to know the glory of God. I'd like to be able to walk in here one night, one morning, and demonstrate to you the glory of this God that I serve. I'd like to be able to tell you, I know his glory. I'm not satisfied even with presence. I'm not satisfied even with anointing. Are you hearing me? This is the man that turned the Nile into blood, called frogs out that filled the land and lice and, and brought darkness so thick you couldn't see your hand in your face. Hundred pound hailstones fell at his command. This is the man that with the rod of God in one hand brought the most powerful nation on the planet to shambles. And he said, but it's not enough. I want the glory of God. 
What does he mean I want the glory? I want to be able to show the world the glory of God. The glory of God is more than a shout. And I love a shout. It's more than speaking in tongues. I love tongues. It's more than a prophecy. But it's a combination. It's a compilation of everything that God says and is. And we get to show it to people. That's glory. And God granted his request in Exodus 34, 5. The Bible said the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Here's the glory of God. Here's what will change your family. Deliver your drug addicts. Get your alcoholics set free. Here's what will... Here's what will bring them out of darkness into light, out of bondage into liberty, out of slavery into freedom. Here's what will cause them to be able to shout glory. God is real. Hallelujah. God is real. And so he says... Show me your glory. And God descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, here it is, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children under the third and fourth generation and we wonder why daddy was a drunk and the children are drunks and the grandchildren are drunks and they're drug addicts and it's from generation to generation somebody has got to find the glory of God and break the curse hallelujah hallelujah <laughs> So many, so many in darkness, so many in bondage. God, there's so many Moses was saying. He was saying, God, this whole bunch deserves to die and you want me to lead them. But God said, here's who I am. I'm the Lord, I'm the Lord God Almighty. I'm the Lord gracious and merciful. I'm the Lord that saves and forgives. We must never forget it. The glory of God is manifest in a man named Jesus hanging on a cross and dying to set everyone free. Hallelujah. Give him praise. Let me go on. We're going to quit in a moment, but the Bible said in Matthew 17, verse 1, after six days Jesus took Peter and James and John, his brother, and brought them up into a high mountain apart. I want to see your glory, Moses said. Are you with me? Remember Moses said, I want to see your glory, God. So he takes them up into a mountain. And he's transfigured before him. His light shines as the sun. His raiment, this is talking about Jesus, is as white as light. He's, he's showing him the glory. He, remember in the beginning, he was with God. He was God. He's the word made flesh. Jesus is more than Muhammad and Buddha. Jesus and his word is greater than all the writings of Shakespeare and the great philosophers Plato and Socrates. Jesus is the word of God. 
God that created everything and he's standing on a mountain and he's shining like the sun and Moses said I want to see your glory and Matthew 17 and 3 said behold there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus I want to see your glory you're seeing it now Moses do you understand what I'm saying the glory of God is all wrapped up in one man where is the glory can I tell you where the glory is the glory is in the glorified one his name is Jesus well I feel the Lord I want to say it again the glory is in the glorified one Hallelujah. The anointing. Where's the anointing? The anointing's in the anointed one. His name is Jesus. You want to see the glory of God in your ministry? Preach Jesus. You want to see the glory of God in your singing? Sing about Jesus. Hallelujah. You want to see the glory of God in your life? Hallelujah. Cry out to Jesus. Hallelujah. You can pray in the name of Buddha till your belly gets as fat as his. You can pray in the, pray in the name of Muhammad. Uh, amen. Until your bones are as dusty and dry as his are. Over there in that mosque at Mecca. It'll get you nowhere. But you shout Jesus. Demons triple. Angels standing ready. God sends the Holy Ghost. Hey, there's only one name that manifests the glory. It's the name of Jesus. Give him a big hand clap, would you? Woo! God's glory was personified in Christ. Jesus was the fulfillment of all that God had said to Moses that day. The Lord. The Lord God. The Lord, he said, hallelujah, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression. That's why the Pharisees got so upset when Jesus looked at people and said, your sins are forgiven. Who can forgive sins but God? They responded. And I want to shout, that is God. <laughs> you trust Moses law Moses said I want to see his glory there it is your sins are forgiven hallelujah oh he'll set you free he'll set you free he'll set you free you can get off drugs when he comes in. You can get off booze when he comes in. You can get off pornography when he comes in. Somebody help me shout. Hallelujah. The homosexual can get straight when he comes in. The lesbian can, can, can get straight when he comes in. I, I want to tell you tonight, it's not a message of hate. It's not a narrow-minded message. It's a message that says you want to see the glory of God? Find Jesus. Hallelujah. And you'll find the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me, let me hurry and close. Come on, uh, Nick. Hallelujah. I'm about done. Glory. I started to look at this, and, and I thought this in, in closing. You see, it's in God's Son, in His presence, that we understand that every promise in this book is fulfilled in him. 
Well, now that's a great theological exegesis. That's what they call it in seminary. But let me give you application. Here's application. It's in His presence that the promise, somebody say the promise, the promise of change, the certainty of hope, the reality of a new life. I loved what she said a while ago. She said, I used to depend on drugs for everything. But she said, now that I've found Him and got this Holy Spirit, I don't need anything else. Does anybody feel that way tonight? I, I just don't need anything else as long as I'm with Him. It's Him, Jody. I, I thought about you today. And I said, Lord, all those years, my brother, suffered that affliction, those surgeries, those pains. And I said, then in a moment, the other night, in a moment, he was delivered, he was healed. Others were. And God just, I, you know, of course I had this message, but this was earlier today, and I had this message, and I was going to come up and, and go over this. And, and it's like in my spirit I, I hear the Lord saying, yeah, it's when people find their way at the right moment in my presence. It's got to be at the right moment. I, I don't understand it. I, I can't. It's, it's too big for me. But it's like the man that laid at the temple gate 38 years and Jesus walked by and going into the temple hundreds of times and left him there crippled. But at the right moment, Peter and John said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have given I thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up. Right moment in his presence is all you need. Hallelujah. It was, we were building this church. And I told you about Hansel Sparks, but it was wonderful. My father-in-law had told old brother Hansel that used to run the Blue Moon, him and Margaret. Some of y'all don't know where the Blue Moon is. It's out on East Irvin. You got to be pretty tough to walk in there. Margaret would pull a pistol out and shoot a hole in the floor every now and then just to let everybody know she was in charge. And old Brother Hansel would come out here and we was building this church and he'd drive around up here in that old Florida Explorer. i never forget it. Big old beer belly. Drank a case of beer most days and some days a case of beer and a fifth of whiskey. Passed out, he told me, at least four out of seven days a week drunk. Alcohol. Went bass fishing, had a big bass boat. Loved bass fishing and race car driving. Had a big dirt track race car. Drunk at that racetrack. Drunk in that bass boat. He told me, he said, I passed out many times, fell down on my face in that boat. Wonder if they hadn't fished me out of the lake somewhere. But he'd drive up out here and we'd be a working with the rafters nailing on braces or something or raising up a wall or something. And Hansel sat there and I'll never forget it, Trent. He'd go, there's just something about this place. Hadn't had a service here. He'd say, something about this place. I live right down the road here. And they'd drive up the yard. We'd be sitting out there drinking iced tea or cold water or something to pop. He'd roll up out there and just wouldn't even get out of the car, just drive up next to the shade tree. He'd say, there's something about you people. 
There's a woman driving down the road. We was building this church, and she drove a big Lincoln Continental. Pulled in my driveway and laid down on the horn. I went to the driveway. I didn't know her. I walked out there, a big, expensive car. I walked out there, and the power window went down, and she looked at me. And she had enough jewelry on to buy me. She looked at me, and she said, Are you the pastor of that church they're building up there? I said, I am. She said, every time I drive by, there, something gets hold of me. And she said, I couldn't stand it no longer. She said, here, handed me a large check and said, pay that on the church. Rolled her window up and away she went. Which <laughs> is something about the presence of God. Old Hansel come up that little blue building and stood back there and started finally coming to church. And I was preaching. He had on one of these little polo shirts that big belly tears running off that face and dripping down on that big beer belly had an ice home bass boat in the garage new vehicles money in the bank but didn't have the presence standing right back on one side of that church we preached that morning the altar call they were singing and he was crying God was dealing with that heart I never hardly go back to anybody, but I walked back there where he was at. He was standing there crying so hard he was a shaking. That belly was a jiggling. I walked up to him and I said, Hansel, if you'd go to that altar, God has set you free and saved you. I didn't use a microphone. And he stood there a minute and gathered himself. He looked at me and said I think you know what you're talking about now there he came come to that altar God saved a man you know what he told me he said from that moment he said every morning of my life first thing I did was drink the last thing I did was drink but he said from that moment he said I couldn't even think about it I never wanted it couldn't even remember the taste of it. He said it was gone. Never went to an AA meeting. They never told him a higher power was going to help him. He said, but I met the, the man that took me to the glory. The one that saved me. That's what I'm talking about tonight. He'll set you free. Stand with me tonight all over the church. And said I hope you enjoyed today's message and will tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.